known as the love chapter of the Bible. 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, we'll begin in verse 1 and read the 13 verses of this chapter. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father, thank you again for the blessings of this day. We're thankful for another day of life. And we're thankful we can once again meet and open your word and read and study from it. We ask you to help us as we do that. Again, we pray that you'd help us to just see the things of our God. Maybe have a better understanding of what we read in the scriptures. Again, we're thankful for all of your blessings. And we ask you to continue to bless here individually and as a church. Again, we pray for all of your churches, wherever they may be. We ask your blessings upon each one of them. Again, we thank you for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for him. Again, we're thankful for what he has done and is doing and will yet do for us and his people. And we pray in his name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow uh, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Our subject is the last word of the chapter, charity or love. 
verse 13 again, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Jesus stated in Matthew chapter 19 and in verse 6, it was concerning marriage, but it can be applied in many different ways, that what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. In verse 13, God has joined faith, hope, and love together. These three are joined together in verse, verse 13. And we should view them as such. And we should not separate these three because these three are put together by our God. I'm not going to deal much with the first two, that being faith and hope, but mainly look at the matter of love this evening. But I will mention that faith that is mentioned here. It says, now abideth faith, and this faith is that trust and confidence that we have, and we have it as the gift of God. It is a blessing, a grace that we have faith. We're told in the scriptures that all men have not faith. You and I did not have faith until it was freely bestowed upon us by our God. We're also told in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and in verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. So this matter of faith is, is very important. Next in verse 13 of our reading, we have hope. And again, hope is joined by God with faith. And I've mentioned many times concerning the matter of hope, it is that earnest expectation that this is something that also is God-given even as faith. It is the earnest expectation, the anticipation of God just fulfilling his word. The promises of God, we anticipate them, we expect them to be fulfilled. And that is the matter of hope. And there's much that is said in the word of God concerning hope. I'm going to mention just a couple of things. I'm going to 1 Timothy and in chapter 1. I read this and some other verses here because this is vitally important when you consider the matter of hope. In 1 Timothy in chapter 1 and in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. Now if you would keep that statement in mind, and look in the book of Colossians, and in chapter 1, Colossians, and in chapter 1, and in verse 27. Colossians 1 and in verse 27, 
to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, I mentioned the definition that I use of hope, that earnest ex expectation, anticipation of things that are in the future that are promised in the word of God. Notice the last words in verse 27 of Colossians 1. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What expectation do you have of glory other than in the Lord Jesus Christ? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ being in me and Christ being in you is what causes us to anticipate and expect glory one day with the Lord. It is our expectation. Christ in you is our anticipation, our expectation of one day being in glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, back in our reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in verse 13, we have love joined together with both faith and hope. And again, God has put these together. The Apostle Paul writes these things by divine inspiration, and they are here together for us in the word of God. This love, which is joined with both faith and hope, is not the common phileo or brotherly love and affection that even the unsaved does have. The love that is mentioned here is that godly love, agape love, and according to what Paul did right here, and again, by inspiration, he wrote that the greatest among these three is love. He wrote that love is greater than faith, it's greater than hope. Have you ever just considered that matter? Paul said that the greatest of these is love. And that should bring the question to our minds, why is it so? Why is it that love is greater than either faith or hope? It's something to consider. It's easy to read. And it's also easy to read over without giving it any consideration at all. There are several reasons that I believe that this love is greater than either faith or hope. Look with me to the book of 1 John, and in chapter 4. In, in 1 John, and in chapter 4, is a statement that I think would go hand in hand with our reading. In 1 John, in chapter 4, and in verse 8, 
He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. For God is love. We're never told that God is faith. We're never told that God is hope. But we are told that that God is love. When you look at our text and it says faith, hope, and love are charity, and it says the greatest of these is love, I think one of the reasons is because that love is an attribute of God. It speaks of the very nature of God. Notice in verse 7 of this same reading in 1 John, where where it says, Beloved, let us love one another. Then it says this, For love is of God. Love is of God. As surely as faith is of God, hope is of God, love is of God. This, This particular type of love we did not have naturally. It is of God. The source of it is is God. In Galatians in chapter 5 and in verse 22, considering that this love is of God. Galatians in chapter 5 and beginning in verse 22, we read of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit has several different parts to it. You'll notice, as I've mentioned several times, the word fruit is in the singular. It's not fruits, plural. It's fruit, but it has several different parts. And in verse 22 of Galatians 5, love is first mentioned as the fruit of the Spirit. We just read that love is of God. Love comes from God. God is the source of this agape type love. And here we read that it is the fruit of the Spirit. Now again, I mentioned that here in verse 22, of all these various parts of the fruit of the Spirit, love is first mentioned. But when you look back in our reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verse 13, Here, love is mentioned last. We have faith, hope, and and love. But love is necessary for both faith and hope. If we did not have this love, which is of God, we would neither have faith nor hope. If we did not love God first. If we didn't have this love that is given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. Again, this I think is one of the reasons that love is said to be greater than either faith or hope is that it is an attribute of God. It speaks of the very person of God and it comes from God. God is the source of it. But I want to mention another reason that I believe that uh, love is greater. And I'm going back to 1 John again. This time to chapter 3. 
in 1 John and in chapter 3. And I want to read verse 4. 1 John 3 and in verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. That last statement is very important. It gives us the biblical definition of sin and we need to never go any further for a definition of sin. Sin is the transgression of the law. Now, keep that in your mind if you would and go with me to Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew and in chapter 22, here I'm going to read verse 35 through verse verse 40. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy, thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then verse 40. And again, Without what is stated in verse 40, the other verses here lose a little of their meaning. Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The great commandment in the law, Jesus broke it down into two parts. First, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. The second is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Obedience and faithfulness in keeping God's law depend solely upon love. Have you ever considered that? I think this is one of the reasons that love is even greater than faith or hope. It is in and through love that we can keep the commandments of God. Jesus said the, the first, and that it would be the first table of the Ten Commandments, refers to our relationship with God. Jesus said, if you want to obey that first section of the law, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul. Then you have the second table, and it deals with our relationships with one another. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love God, Perfectly, you will perfectly keep the first table of the law. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will keep the second table of the law. 
Sin is the transgression of the law. How do you avoid it? Well, Jesus told us right there. Now look in Romans chapter 13. In Romans and in chapter 13, and here I'm going to read verse 10. Romans chapter 13 and in verse 10. Here the scripture says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. That is never said about faith. It's never said about hope. We're never told that faith is the fulfilling of the law. We're never told that hope is the fulfilling of the law. But we are told that love is the fulfilling of the law. I think that's one of the reasons that Paul said love is greater than either faith or hope. Love is fulfilling of the law. Now, a question concerning this love, and it's a simple question, but the answer is not always that easy to simple questions. Really, two questions. Do you love God? Do you love God? And if you do, why? Why do you love God? What is the primary reason that you love God? I think there's many different reasons, but I'm going to mention this and use Paul's words in Ephesians 5 and in verse 25. There Paul said, Husbands, love your wife. Well, I could ask all husbands, why do you love your wife? I could ask all wives, why do you love your husband? Is it because of what they do for you, what they mean to you, and many different things, or is it simply because of who they are? The primary reason that I love Janice is because who she is. Likewise, the primary reason I love God is because of who he is. The primary reason that I love God is not all that he has done for me and will yet do for me because that's sort of self-centered. But I love God because who he is. I love the Lord Jesus Christ because of who he is. And when I consider this matter of, of, of love, loving God for who he is does not make void our love for God because what he does for us, but primarily we love him because of who he is. There's much to consider about this matter of love. We'll never forget the scripture, I hope, where it says we love him because he first loved us. But we love him. We love him. 
Too many times I think our uh, affection and our love for God is focused upon what he does for us rather than the person of God. And even so with the Lord Jesus Christ, we center our attention and maybe rightly so upon all that he has done for us and will yet do for us, but our love primarily should be for who he is, who he is. All the different things of our, our God. When we consider this love that we're dealing with in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, we keep in mind this is an alien love. It's alien to us. Again, we did not have it naturally. It has been implanted in us by the regenerating work of the Spirit of God. Again, it's not something that we obtained on our own. We certainly did not have it by nature, but it comes from without us, and that's what I mean by it's alien unto us. It's not natural unto us. By nature, we, like others, were lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. But that's sort of been done away with. Now we love God. It's because of this love that I'm dealing with this evening. Go back to 1 John again, if you would. In the book of 1 John, this time to chapter 4 again. And I want to read verse 7 and verse 8 together. And notice the importance of this matter of love. 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. Now again, you have to stop there and consider even the unregenerate have that phileo love. Just brotherly love, affection, natural affection. This is godly love, agape love. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now notice again how loving God and knowing God are joined together by God. Loving God and Knowing God. Those who do not have this agape love, which is the fruit of the Spirit, do not know God. It's very clear by these two verses. They do not know God. They may know about Him, but they do not know Him. In verse 7 again of 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of, of God. And then it says, And everyone that loveth, two things, is born of God and knoweth God. Only those who are born of God love God and know God. 
The love that we read of in our, our text in 1 Corinthians is, is very important. And again, by inspiration, Paul said it's greater than faith, it's greater than hope. When considering the latter part of verse 7 here of 1 John 4, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. On several occasions I've heard someone make the statement, I love everybody. Well, that's just not true. You cannot love someone you do not know. You just cannot love someone you do not know. In order to love God, you must first know God. And again, not just know about Him, but you must know Him. In like manner, in order to love the Lord Jesus Christ, you must know Him and not just know about Him. This knowledge of knowing is vital to our salvation. I'm going to read this in the book of John in chapter 17. In John and in chapter 17, and in verse 3, Jesus said, this is life eternal. Well, what is it? He said, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Again, where there is no knowledge of God, there is no love of God, there is no faith in God. It depends upon love. Those who love are born of God and know God. The scripture, we just read that. Love appears where there is knowledge. Where there is knowledge. Without knowledge, there is no love. Love appears where there is knowledge, and it's always accompanied by both faith and hope. As we have in our text, faith, hope, and charity or love, they simply go together. Now before I close I'm going to mention this. This love that's mentioned in our text in 1 Corinthians 13 and in verse 13 it's, it manifests itself in several different ways. One way it will manifest itself in those who truly have this love is that the glory of God will always be the chief goal of our lives. That will be our, our goal. is to bring glory and honor unto God. We'll be very careful that we will not offend the one that we love. We will have a love for the worship of God. We'll have a reverence for God. We'll have a love for the church of God, the habitation of God through the Spirit. We'll have a love for the Word of God, and we'll have a love for the people of God. 
But it all depends upon this love in our text, which is greater than either faith or hope. Now, phileo love is not greater than faith or hope. But this God-given love certainly is. The love of God that we have for God is not now perfect. It's not now perfect in any of us. But just as faith and hope and even knowledge can increase, so does this love. The more we know God, the more we, we love God. I'm going to close by reading in the book of Romans in chapter 5. Romans and in chapter 5, and here I'll begin in verse 1. Romans 5 and in verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed here's what I want you to see because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. Those words there spread abroad. It just simply means the love of God is just poured out in our hearts. The heart in scripture is the seat of affection. It's the very center of our being. This love is not shed abroad in our minds or in our intellect but in our hearts. And it is a, a true love that's given unto us. I'm going to stop here. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Now, Father, we thank you again for this time to read and study your word. We're thankful for what your word tells us about this matter of love and it tells us so much. Help us to pay attention to it and consider it. Again, we're thankful that you have given us of your spirit and thereby have given us the fruit of the spirit. We realize without the working of your spirit, we would be void and without this matter of love. Again, we thank you that you enable us even cause us to love you. We're thankful that you did love us first, that your love was not dependent upon us, but our love is dependent upon you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.